0: رَبَّنَا O Our Lord وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ And raise in them وَبَعَثْ بَا بَعْثَ, بَعْثَ بَعْثَ is to raise like بَعْثْ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتْ Resurrection after death People who are in their graves will come out of their graves raise out rise out of their graves So بَعْثَ is to raise but بَعْثَ is also to appoint to send to dispatch So وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ meaning send to them in them appoint someone amongst them amongst two, fee him him refers to their progeny riyatina. so follow our progeny make an ummah muslima and that ummah muslima who has submitted to you send in them rasul a messenger rasul Rasin Lam, a messenger منهم from among them a messenger who is of them what does it mean by this minhum two meanings first of all a human being like them Not that an angel messenger is sent or a jinn messenger is sent. Because if a jinn messenger would be sent, then nobody would listen to him. Everybody would run away. Then, Minhom secondly also means from among their own people, from their nation. Not that he is a foreigner whom they are not familiar with, whose language they cannot understand, whom they cannot understand fully. If somebody speaks your language, you know them, you are familiar with them, you are familiar with their ways, you know about their history, about their past. Are you not comfortable when they are telling you about something? Yes, you are. But if it's a complete stranger, total stranger, then what will happen? Will you accept what they are saying? It's quite possible you don't even understand what they are saying. Because many times, the second language of a person, he's not that strong at it. And even though a person learns a particular language, it's quite possible he doesn't fully grasp the culture. And we know that culture and language are deeply connected. So, Rabbana A messenger from among themselves. So that they are comfortable with Him. They are able to relate with Him. They are able to accept Him. They are able to recognize Him as a messenger. For example, Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم Was he a total stranger for the people of Makkah? No, they knew him. This is why Allah says, ما صَاحِبُكُمْ وَمَا غوى. Your sahib, your companion, your friend has not gone astray. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call him your companion? Because he lived amongst them. They knew him even before prophethood. So when he claimed to be a prophet, it was definitely easy for the people to accept him because he was not a stranger to them. And this messenger, what should he do when he is sent to them? Yatlu Ayati. He should recite to them your verses. lam wa, tilawa. Hilara recitation. So he should recite to them ayat, your verses. Ayat is a plural of ayat. What does he mean by this? That the messenger who is sent to the people, he is sent to convey a message, to guide the people. And the first step to guiding the people is what? Reciting the verses of Allah. Reciting what Allah has sent. Conveying what Allah has revealed. Secondly, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ And he teaches them the book. يُعَلِّمُوا تَعْلِيمُ عَلَّمَ يُعَلِّمُوا تَعْلِيمُ عَيْنْ لاميم. علم, Knowledge تَعْلِيمُ To teach. So يُعَلِّمُهُم He will teach them Kitab, the book. Which book is this? The Qur'an. So he will not just recite the verses but he will also teach the book. What's the difference between recitation and teaching? Teaching is explaining the text. What it means how it is supposed to be understood. For example, imagine you're sitting in an English class. Imagine you're in grade 5. And somebody is being made to read a passage of a particular book, one of the students. So they're just reading, reading, reading. There's one word or two words or one thing that you don't understand. If the teacher is a good teacher, what will they do? They will stop the student and they will explain what that means. And then they will tell the student to continue reading. Reading is just delivering. And... Talim is what? Explaining. Ultimately it comes to the ayat of the Qur'an. Tilawa is for example in salah or outside of salah. But when it comes to talim, it means explaining the text, explaining what it means. And this is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a messenger. If you think about it, Allah could have sent just a book. The book could have come down from the sky in a big light or something like that and people would have known this is something special and they read the book and they find out, okay, this is from Allah and this is what we're supposed to do. That could have happened. Was it difficult for Allah? Not at all. But there was a reason why Allah sent the messenger, a human messenger. What's the purpose? What was the reason? So that the messenger would explain the book to them. This is what this means, this is what that means. This is what we're supposed to do, this is what we're not supposed to do. This is the reason why Allah sent the Prophet صلى الله عليه We learn in Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 44, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ And we have revealed the reminder unto you, we have revealed the scripture on you, so that you explain to the people what has been sent to them. The book could have been sent by itself, but Allah revealed it on a human messenger, so that He would explain, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ but not just the book. He would also teach them hikmah and the wisdom. حِكْمَة kaf mim. Hikmah is to place something where it belongs, in the manner that is appropriate, in the way that is best. What hikmah? To place something where it belongs, to do something as it should be done. For example, in the Qur'an, we have been told about what we're supposed to do. But when it comes to how we're supposed to do it, every detail has not been mentioned in the book of Allah. The way of performing the good deeds, has it been explained in the Qur'an, all of it? No. When it comes to salah, the command, it is there many times, اقيم Salah. But is it mentioned in the Qur'an how to pray, the method of praying? No. Is it mentioned why very clearly, obviously, not necessarily. So the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, What was his obligation? What was his duty? To explain what to do And to explain how to do Why? How? The reason behind it as well In what way we're supposed to worship Allah So for example the Qur'an When we read it, when we study it We develop the love of Allah We realize how important it is to obey Him But then When you want to obey Allah You want to obey Allah in every respect in every action that you do. And where do we learn that way from? From the way of the Prophet Wasallam. When you get up, when you open the door, when you do anything, use your right hand. Anything important, use your right hand. Step in, Bismillah. Stepping out, say the dua. Eating, say the dua. After eating, say the dua. For every action, the Prophet Wasallam told us how to do it in a way that Allah would like it. So Al-Hikmah, what does it refer to? The Sunnah. The sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. So Ibrahim alay salam, Isma'ilam they prayed, Waba Afihim Rasulullah Minhum. First of all Yatlu Alehim Ayatik, secondly we alli muhumulkita. Thirdly, Wa L Hikmah and you will also teach them the wisdom. And fourthly, Wayyuzakihim, and you will also purify them. Yuzakhi is from Zaikaf, Ya or Wow, from the word tazgiya. The word zakat is also from the same root. What does zakat mean? Purifying your wealth. How are you purifying your wealth? By giving some of it in charity. By giving it to those who are deserving. Because if you keep all of what you own with yourself, then what's going to happen? There will be no more barakah. There will be no more blessing. And we see this for example. If you store something with yourself, if you hoard it, you're not able to use all of it. What happens? It spoils. So how can you purify? How can you improve and grow the condition of what you own? By giving a part of it to those who Allah wants you to. Tazkiyah, purification, also means growth. It also means growth, to grow. So, Tazkiyah, purification, it includes two things. First of all, a takhliyah. takhliyah to get rid, to empty out, to get rid of what? All the bad things, all the bad traits, the bad qualities, the bad habits. The second step is tahliyah, adornment, to make it look all nice and beautiful. For example, if you want to fix up your house, what will you do? What's the first step? Get new paint and start painting the walls? And then as you're getting rid of all the garbage, then yes the walls get scratched. Is that the right way? No. What's the first step? Get rid of everything you're supposed to get rid of. Why? Because if you don't get rid of the garbage, then you cannot fully clean. So the first step is tahliya. When you're cleaning the floor, the first step is what? Do mop the floor or to broom the floor yeah yeah all the garbage is there all the little little pieces of food are there take them mop and nicely mop all the floor so what's gonna happen all the garbage is going to spread and stuck to the floor so the first step is what to get rid of the bad habits to get rid of the bad things and secondly to adorn it with good things because you cannot just keep a place empty if you want to fix up your house you can't just throw everything out if you throw everything out you have to bring something else as well because otherwise the house is not livable so when you a king, and he also purifies them, purifies what? Their manners, their character, their habits, their way of life. For example, the way the Prophet brought, what does it teach us? That we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't harm each other, we don't abuse one another, we don't be harsh to one another. And this has been replaced with what? With good habits. Honesty, truthfulness, sincerity, dedication, kindness, gentleness. Where the Prophet ﷺ forbade us from cutting relationships, he also commanded us to keep good relationships. Where we have been told to stay away from haram, we have also been told to enjoy the halal. We have been told not to eat, not to marry. No! Get rid of bad and bring about the good. وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ So the Prophet ﷺ, he lived amongst the people and he trained them. He did the tarbiyah in the true sense. That they got rid of their bad habits and they developed good habits, good way of life. al Aziz al Indeed, you are O Allah al-aziz, the Mighty, al-hakim, the Wise. Al-aziz. One of the meanings of al-aziz is dhul Izza. and irza ain zay zay. has several meanings. One of the meanings is might and power. So he is Al-Aziz, meaning he is dhul izzah He is the possessor of might and power. So no one can overpower him. No one can defeat him. No one can render him incapable. In other words, he is the one who is perfect in ability. Why is this name mentioned over here? Why is Al-Aziz mentioned over here? Because Al-Aziz is the one who is able to send a messenger. Someone who is weak, unable. Can they send someone? No, they cannot. Al-Aziz and Al-Hakim Al-Hakim kaf Al-Hakim is understood in two ways. First of all, dhul-hikmah and secondly, dhul-hukm Dhul-hikmah. What does hikmah mean? Wisdom. So Al-Hakim meaning the one who is wise. And secondly, hukum. What does hukum mean? Judgment, ruling, command, law. So dhul-hukum meaning the one who commands. Al-Hakim, the first meaning is the one who is wise. Any command that you send, any verse that you reveal, whoever messenger you send, there is always some benefit, some reason, some wisdom behind it. You are Al Hakim, we trust you. You choose the messenger. You send him and you reveal whatever commands and we will obey you. And the one who gives the command, so all the law of the religion is from who? Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala Inna Kaantal Azizul Hakim. What do we learn in this verse? First of all we learn that people are in need of guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the reason why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala sent messengers. We learned in the previous verse that Ibrahim a.s. he prayed, Wa arina manasticana oh Allah, you show us how to worship you. People cannot come up with their own ways of worshipping Allah. And we see that those people who have come up with their own ways of worship, what kind of ways do they come up with? Ways that may be harmful. Ways that may appear to be crazy May bring no spirituality in a person May not benefit a person May instead harm a person Like for example Sometimes people say Or read this particular sentence This particular statement A hundred thousand times Tell me Who has the ability to say something A hundred thousand times And if you're reading it a hundred thousand times Will you be able to concentrate? Will you have any heart Any spirit involved in it? Not at all Similarly, other people who have come up with some ways of worship, harming yourself, torturing yourself, self-torture. So every command that Allah has given to us, any way of worship, it is in our best interest. So we ourselves cannot invent worship rituals. This is why Allah sent messengers. And this shows that we are needy before Allah when it comes to guidance. So this is why Ibrahim Ismail prayed, وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا we cannot do without messengers. And after Muhammad ﷺ, is any messenger coming? No. So can we do without the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? Can we do without his instruction, his guidance? No. We have to follow his ways if we want to be successful. Then we also learn in this ayah that everything that the messenger brought is of benefit to people. Because what is it the messenger Wasallam brought? the ayat, the kitab, hikmah, and tazkiyah. Isn't it for the benefit of people? Of course. If you think about it, the messenger is the one who taught the religion, who recited the verses. So when we recite, do we not get reward? Yes. When we read and we understand and we improve our lives, are we not benefiting? Yes. And just compare how the entire society changed after the Prophet وسلم came. Just think about how the society was before Islam and what it became after Islam. Before Islam, the Arabs were like an unknown people. Nobody cared about them. Nobody bothered about them because they lived in the desert. They were spread everywhere, Bedouins. And those who were living in cities, they were always fighting against one another. There was tribal warfare all over the Arab Peninsula. Then they suffered from hunger, they suffered from droughts, they suffered from one another attacking each other. They suffered from a lot of harm. There was no structure in that land, no government in that land, no one to protect the needy. And this is why the miskeen, the orphans, they were the ones who were extremely deprived. Women were harmed, abused, treated very unjustly. We see that children were buried alive. Imagine buried alive. You know, aborting a child, that's a different case. But when a child is living, breathing, outside in front of you, killing him, putting him in a ditch, and covering him with mud while he's screaming and crying, until all the screams and cries, they become silent. Robbery, murder, it was common everywhere. And just imagine how, within a period of 23 years, that entire place became so different. A place where you could not live independently you could not survive unless and until you had the protection of a tribe, you could now go without any fear. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ, one of the signs that he told one of the companions about was that a woman will come out of Hira and she will be fully covered in jewelry and she will come and perform the tawaf of this house and she will have no fear whatsoever. She will have no fear whatsoever. Before Islam, impossible. After Islam, very much possible. So we see how the guidance that the Prophet ﷺ brought was of benefit to the people. So every single thing that the Messenger brought is of benefit to us. So never think that a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, a command that Allah has given, could bring us harm. Even if there may be apparent or temporary harm, eventually in the long run it is definitely beneficial. Then we also learn this verse about the importance of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. We learn here that Allah sent the Messenger why to teach the book, يعلمهم الكتاب, and we cannot understand the book correctly until and unless we study it along with the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu We cannot separate the two. We cannot separate the Sunnah from the Kitab. Both of them go hand in hand. And if people say, "Well, the Hadith, how do you know if it's authentic? How do you know if it's correct?" Well, if you doubt the authenticity of the hadith, then you may also doubt the authenticity of the Qur'an. Because the same people who passed on the Qur'an are the people who passed down the hadith. So the religion, it depends on these two sources. And both of them have to be understood together. If you separate the two, then the religion will be understood incorrectly. It will not be understood in the right way. And these days, you will find many interpretations out there. People are trying to prove that there are many, many ways of interpreting the Qur'an. So interpret in whatever way that you can. The Qur'an is not a book of code that you decode according to however you understand. No! It's a guide that Allah revealed and He also sent the teacher to explain how to understand that guide. So we have to keep both of them together. And these days especially, you will hear, you will see people interpreting the Qur'an in the most craziest of ways. Just yesterday I was listening to a lecture by this lady who was trying to prove that in Islam there is no concept of hijab. I was like, okay, let me see what she says. So I was listening. And then she says that in the Quran where Allah says that the women should cover their chest, their bosoms with their veil, with their headscarves, That just means covering the chest. Please don't tell me that in the time of Jahiliya the women walked around with bare chest. No. They had that much decency to cover their bodies. And it's not possible that Muslim women, until the ayat of hijab were revealed they were walking around with their breasts bare, is it even imaginable? Is it even conceivable? It's not. And they're saying the first Mufassireen, they said it just means to wear modest clothing, decent clothing. And this concept of hijab, it came when the Muslims, when they met the Romans and they met different cultures and in their societies, women of dignity would cover themselves. No. Even the jahili women would cover themselves. And in the Qur'an, if you study the verses, and you look at the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it's very obvious that hijab is a part of Islam. There's no question about that. So the moment you separate the sunnah from the Qur'an, then a person is going astray. Then he's not on this path anymore. And I want you to remember this ayah very clearly. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ Allah sent the messenger to teach the book. We cannot understand the book unless and until we look at the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Then we also learn in this verse that whatever the messenger wasallam brought, it improves the akhlaq of people. The guidance of the Prophet wasallam it improves what? The akhlaq of people. The manners, the etiquette, the behavior. Think about it. The Arabs were the ones who could just kill one another at even the smallest of things. But imagine when the Prophet came, they became the most respectful, the most honest, the most careful people. The Prophet ﷺ said, li utamima makarim al ahlak." Indeed, I have been sent to perfect the best of manners, the best of characteristics. Then we also learn in this verse, how Ibrahim a.s., Ismail al-Islam, they prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by mentioning His names. In the previous verses also we have learned that how when they made the dua, they also mentioned the names of Allah. anta Rahim, Azizul Hakim. Why are the names of Allah being mentioned? Because Allah tells us in the Quran, that al Asmaul Husna, biha. Allah has the most beautiful names, so call upon Allah by those names. And whenever we make dua, we should mention the names of Allah, meaning we should call upon Him by His different names. And which names should we call upon Him by? That are most suitable, most appropriate for what we are asking for. So when they were doing tawbah, they said, you are at tawwab. When they were praying for a messenger, they said, you are capable, you are aziz, you are Hakim." Let's listen to the recitation. رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمِينَ لَكَ وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ Rabbana wa ba'ath fihim rasoolam minhum yatlua alayhim ayatika wa yu'alimuhum ul kitaba hikmata alhikmata wa yuzekim inka anta l aziz ul hakeem. How many names of Allah are mentioning these verses? What's the first name that's mentioned? As-Sameer. And then? Al-Alim and then At-Tawwab and then Ar-Rahim then Al-Aziz Al-Hakim Do you know the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Not many people know. So inshallah we should also memorize the names of Allah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh